Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you live on Sunday, August 20th, after the Cubs finish off the Kansas City Royals. They take two of three this weekend. All told, it is a three and two week for the Chicago Cubs. Couple off days on Monday and Thursday. They split two with the White Sox, and now they head out on to the road. Brendan, not the prettiest weekend or week, really, with some bad teams, but you took two out of three this weekend. I'm not really complaining. No, I'm not going to complain about any wins either. Kyle looked good today. I'm sure we'll get into it, but seeing him, especially in the context of Stroman going down, good to see. Justin Steele still looks good. Morrell, exciting week. Nico performing well. Overall, net positive. Just keep winning games at this point. They may not be the prettiest, but at least they're still winning these games. Yeah, I I know it was it was it was frustrating on Sunday, you know, watching that game today. Um of course we're coming to you live right after the game. Hello to everyone in the YouTube chat watching live if you're watching later or listening wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you as well. If you are watching live, hop in that chat, let us know what you are thinking. Um, little frustrating, right? Jordan Lyles is very bad and, uh, Kyle Hendricks was very good, but the offense, uh, you know, kind of left it a little close, but at the end of the day, right? Like the Cubs are in a lot of playoff races and th- the ultimate goal is just to collect W's at this point, right? The offense will get hot again. I believe that we've seen them be really hot at times. This was not their best week, but their, their time will come. And at the end of the day, Kyle Hendricks, the bullpen, were able to lock down a W today, and that is what matters when you are in a, it was a sweltering day at Wrigley Field, the the true dog days of summer, and you're in a playoff race. Just get Ws. Are, were you sweating out there in the stands, Corey? I'm in the shade, so, okay. you know, it was okay, uh, but it was, a, it was a sunscreen on, one. too, like everything's good, you know? No yeah. sun damage? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I yeah. mean, like, I know the offense wasn't maybe up to standards, as we've seen over the past month, but, like, this is going to happen over the course of the season, right? Like, even today, several hard-hit balls, Dansby's getting some unfortunate luck, even though yeah. he's been through a little bit of a funk. But, like, this is going to happen. For me, my big concern, if you want to call it that, but the the point of anxiety, if you will, is going to be that starting rotation depth. So, as long as, like, Kyle looks good and Steele continues to showcase his stamina, 
to me right now in the current moment, I'm more focused on that than I am like on a five game stretch where they're not putting up seven runs every game. I don't really like care about that that much. Well, and uh, at one point, like at the game today, I yelled, enough, Nat Duffy. Like, what? Was he making every play at third it base? The, I mean, uh, come Matt on Matt Duffy now. revenge. Series, I like I Matt guess. Duffy, but yeah, enough. Yeah. It was enough. <laughs> All right. Um, we have plenty to talk about. Uh, as, you know, we've, we've told you guys before, uh, Brendan and I are your Sunday weekly recap show. We'll talk about this KC series, but also, you know, kind of everything that's gone on for the week gets you set up. If you're listening to this on Sunday evening or Monday morning, kind of let you, uh, get into your next week here as the Cubs head out on the road. Want to talk about Kyle Hendricks, a vintage professor performance today. We'll talk about Justin Steele's outing on Saturday, maybe a little bit of Jamison Tyone on Friday. We'll talk about Cody Bellinger, uh, who just continues his torrid season here for the Chicago Cubs. A big game on Saturday to back Justin Steele. I want to talk about Seiya Suzuki. I got my obvious shirt on, right? You brought the Um, home run today. Hit the home run today. Yes. Uh, Plenty. Plenty, plenty to talk about. I know Brendan has some charts and graphs, and oh, yeah. he's going to break down some of these pitchers uh, like nobody else does, uh, at least for the Chicago Cubs. I'm sure there's crazy people out there that talk about baseball like you, the pitching ninja, et cetera. But mm. if you want graphs about horizontal break of sliders, Brendan Miller is your let's guy. Go. So let's uh, let's just start with Kyle Hendricks, Brendan. I think that's the, the best place to start coming off of the game on Sunday. The Cubs winning this one 4-3. to three. It got close at the end, uh, a little dicey for Adbert Alzali there, but we did still get to see the classic fist pump, which means the Cubs won, and he yeah. locked down his 18th save. But the story of the day, I think, was Kyle Hendricks. Six and a third, five hits, one earned, one walk, and three strikeouts, a 3.83 ERA on the season, and really just looked like vintage Kyle Hendricks. A lot of weak contact for the Royals, a lot of jam shots, pop-ups, things like that. And the Royals have some good hitters. Bobby Witt Jr. is unreal, right? That speed is unreal. That play he made at short today, Brendan, sliding toward the left field line. I mean, watching yeah. that live and then like the replays, I was, that was a really nice play. I don't um, see anything good about shortstops other than ours. That's my rule. Right. Don't talk about any shortstops other no than other Swanson. Yeah. Um, but this was an important start for Kyle Hendricks, right? Mostly he was fine, I think, earlier in the week, you know, gave up a few runs on some weak contact to the White Sox, uh, you know, but settled in. And that's kind of been his MO, right? A friend of the podcast, Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation was tweeting out his numbers earlier today. You know, innings one through four, not so good, but after that, he really is is settling in and kind of figuring out a way to pitch to offenses that maybe are are figuring some stuff out. But with Marcus Stroman earlier in the week going up to the press box and saying he's not really sure when he's going to be back out there, if he is going to be back out there, and I know you, you're not expecting to see him again because that's how your brain works. Well, yeah, it's a normal we thing need to the, you know We need people other than Justin Steele to step up here, and Javier Assad has certainly done that uh, in his opportunities, and Kyle Hendricks, looking like he did on Sunday, is going to be huge for the Cubs going down this playoff hunt stretch. Yeah. When we look at what Kyle's doing this year, you, you see you see signs and traits that are familiar. And that gives me a lot of like comfort. Early on in the games, he's not 
maybe looking as like settled in, but like the bulk numbers, Corey, are just like, as you would expect, even beyond my expectations going into the year. For example, 98th percentile for his exit velocity, 95th percentile chase rate, 96th percentile walk rate, ERA 3.8. He's on pace, if you scale this to a full season, of putting up the equivalent of a plus three war season. He's coming off a capsular tear in a competing Cubs team that needs him. Like now the Cubs can't afford to not have a Kyle Hendricks with some depth issues with Stroman going down, with Justin Steele going through his first September. They can't afford to lose Kyle Hendricks. So yeah, maybe like, you know, they're not going to see the sub two ERA guy you saw seven years ago, but to see this, he's an above average pitcher pretty demonstrably, and he's looking it's very similar to how we saw in the past few years here, 89, 90-mile-per-hour fastballs, uh, opposite-way changeup in the same window. I mean, beautiful. There was that one strikeout today where he goes, uh, sets him up, the left-handed batter out for uh, a two-strike fastball on the lower outside corner. First sets him up with that very uh, uh, arm-side sweeping changeup and goes right back in the same window with a 90-mile-per-hour fastball. Like, I haven't seen that from Kyle in years, dude. So he looked good. Like overall, like I'm very confident in him. Of course, you want to see some of the weak contact get suckered in for outs. But overall, this is what he's going to do. Like, like sign me, y'all. This is like amazing from Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. You look at, you know, kind of his his recent game log, that start against Atlanta, obviously a tough one, which it has been for plenty of teams against that Atlanta offense. Um, but, you know, five flat, two earned against the Mets, six flat, three earned against the White Sox, six and a third today one earned against the Royals. If he can give you five, six innings, one to three runs, right? Like, again, it's not 2016 Kyle Hendricks where he's competing for a Cy Young, but that's what this team needs. They need somebody to go out there and deliver quality starts, keep the team in the game, help them win ball games, stabilize the rotation a bit, not every time, you know, require five, six guys out of the bullpen to clean things up and eat those innings. And, Kyle's been doing that. So it was a, a really great performance today. Um, just nice to see. And yes, as as Aaron said in our YouTube chat, they won on a Sunday. They it's did. Great. Yeah. I, I, I did the show with Luke in the studio on Friday. And after they lost that game, I was like, well, they're going to win on a Sunday this week because they're not losing a series to the Royals. I'm not <laughs> no, letting it happen. That, I don't know what I have to do happen. as a fan in the stands. But it can't well, happen. Did, you did enough. It was a say sure. That's yeah. that's what happened. But yeah. like before we move on here, I, I kind of want to hammer this home because for me, it's, it's mostly my expectations. Like we, I need to put respect on Kyle Hendricks' name. Like what he's doing, Corey, is like absurd. Like he, his career was threatened with a capsular tear. Look at the numbers he's putting up. I had zero expectations he would be a reliable every fifth guy. It was stupid to expect that. And he's doing this in a playoff chase. This is remarkable. It's just another layer to the legacy that has Kyle Hendricks so far. I think what he's doing is one of the most significant storylines of this entire team this year. It's remarkable. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 great and it's needed. Uh, it was a great effort on Sunday and one, one that the team uh, definitely needed heading out on this road trip and trying to figure out, you know, uh, David Ross did announce the upcoming rotation for this next series 
with the Detroit Tigers, I believe, right? Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong on that. Yeah. Um, yes, the Detroit Tigers, and it will be Javier Assad on Monday, Drew Smiley on Tuesday, and Jamison Tyone on Wednesday. So if you're looking at that, you know, obviously it's been up and down for a few of those guys. Assad has looked great since being given the opportunity to start, I think, especially for a guy that was in the bullpen and has kind of been asked to play a lot of different, you know, wear a lot of different hats. I think he's looked really nice since getting this opportunity because that's not an easy transition to make in the middle of the season, right? Yeah. Um, Tyone, up and down. Um, he had been on a really good stretch, um, you know, not his best effort on Friday, but not, you know, a total disaster, right? Um, I know you have a lot of thoughts on Jamison Tyone. Yeah. Um, we can get to those later. The vibes are too good, so I don't want to talk about that. Are start you saying that I bring down the vibes? Is that why? Just yes. Uh, okay. well, well, for that, maybe. Okay. Um, and then Drew Smiley, we've seen him in the bullpen. He's looked nice out of the bullpen, but David Ross was not ever really committed to that, at least when he was speaking to the media. So Drew's going to get another shot. I know there has been a lot of chatter uh, as Matt says in our YouTube chat, Jordan Wicks, yes. there's a lot of smoke. I don't know if there's a fire a to that. There is a there lot of be. smoke in the air about Jordan Wicks. And at some point in this podcast, you you guys know Brendan and I, we might be here for three hours, right? We have plenty of time. We're going to talk about I'm in a PCA. hurricane. I can't go outside. Like, right. I'm we are going to talk night. about PCA. You okay. best believe it. Because oh, yeah. I want him here now. I'll go. I'll go to Iowa. I'll <laughs> pick him up. Him I don't have a car. I'll rent a car, and I will drive PCA. I'll, Chicago. I'll split the. I'll split the cost for you. Yeah. Uh, so, do want to talk about that? But that is your rotation for Detroit. Detroit, obviously, not a good baseball team, but you're going to need these guys to step up because you have to just keep winning ball games. Um, lots of stuff uh, going on in the chat. Barbara asks, "Will Steele win the Cy Young Award?" We can talk about Justin Steele on Saturday. I think he's in the mix, right? Um, he's going to be in the mix. There's some really good starters in the National League, and you know it always depends on what the kind of voters are looking at in terms of the categories and things like that. Uh, but Justin Steele has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, he picks up his 14th win on Saturday, Brendan. Six innings, six hits, two earned, no walks, and seven strikeouts, a 2.80 ERA on the season. As we've noted, he is blowing past his career innings pitch total uh, especially at the major league level. So to oh, see yeah. him out there doing that, again, Saturday, really hot here in Chicago. The Royals' offense isn't good, right? That they have some good hitters. To me, Brendan, what I love to see from Justin, that zero walks, right? Yeah. He is well, not going to give you a free year. pass. You are going to have to earn it. He's striking seven guys out. He's just been that guy this year, and especially in the context of Stroman being out. Stroman was struggling before he went on the injured list. Now we're not sure if he's going to come back, and Justin Steele has not skipped a beat. He is the ace of this rotation. He is one of the best pitchers in the National League, and to Barbara's point, he is absolutely in the Cy Young conversation. If you look at his numbers right now, 132 innings. If you just expect, let's say he has seven more starts, right? And seven starts, maybe average of like six innings per start. It's going to put him around 175 innings, which is like doable. Like he's not on pace to go above or even inch towards 200. So that's that's like a good sign if it gives some people some ease. But his numbers are absurd this year. His K per nine is 8.7. His walk per nine is 1.9. His ERA is 2.8. Like it is the walks that I'm kind of dialing in on. A 1.9 
walk per nine rate is unbelievable. And then I was I was looking at because we, we were talking about steel for so many years. You know, you go back to those episodes from like twenty twenty one, um, and looking at twenty twenty, the appreciation I have for steel and just like the Cubs coaching staff to get them to this point. It it kind of just went up over the over the weekend. I forgot what Steele was was doing a few years ago. Like we talked about it, but he was using a lot of sinkers, trying to find a curveball. His four seam shape was completely different. Like it had some arm side run three years ago in twenty twenty one, two years ago, where it was about three inches of arm side run. Now it has about one inch of cut <laughs> with that induced vertical break, which is like crazy to have that combination and that velocity. So he's a he's kind of like a different pitcher. Like I always talk about. You know, Al is the golden child of the, of the quote-unquote pitch lab that everyone loves to make fun of. But in reality, like, Steele, too, has also looked like a very different pitcher over the past couple of years. Results aside, it's really the pitch shapes that he has. That, that forcing fastball has undergone, like, significant surgery. It doesn't even look like the same pitch anymore over a two-year span. And now he's on the conversation for a Cy Young. It's unbelievable what they've done with him. Yeah. uh, So, you know, just looking at his numbers across Major League Baseball, he is tied for 10th in wins above replacement. Uh, Somebody asked in the chat what his wins above replacement was. It is three and a half, uh, 3.5. He is tied with a few people at 3.5. So he is really at around ninth, tied for ninth in Major League Baseball of pitcher wins above replacement. He is second in baseball, I think behind only Blake Snell, in earned run average. And obviously, I'm not telling you this stuff matters, but when you're looking at Cy Young voting and other awards and things like that, it does matter. He leads baseball in wins as a pitcher with 14. He is absolutely in this conversation, and I am prepared to be irate if he doesn't win the Cy Young. Let me, let me, right? let me tell you something. If, if, if he is not in the conversation, if Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner don't both win gold gloves, I'm quitting baseball. That's it for me. You will have to find a different co-host. I will lose all faith. That'll be it. Okay. Well, yeah, I to bring uh, it up. Well, they were talking about it today. Drop like, your you application know. in the chat if you want to be my co-host. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Look, whether he wins it, there's obviously a month and a half left. There's going to be a lot of starts, things like that. But he is absolutely in that conversation. You know, they do those shows. I think on the MLB Network, right, where they invite the three guys, the three finalists, to sort of be up there and. Yeah when they announce it, he's one of those three guys at minimum, right? Whether he wins it, I don't know. I don't control that. Uh, But he's on that, he's on that dais, right? If you're looking at it that way. So he's just, just incredible. And yeah. What's Um, Don't worry about it. Um, I, again, I, I, I can't give him enough credit for doing what he's been doing in the absence of Marcus Stroman. It's, He's his own pitcher, right? They're out there on their own, but they have been following each other. One, two, they talked about that a lot at the All-Star break when they were both named to the All-Star team, how they kind of looked to lead the rotation and match each other punch for punch. And for Justin Steele to keep it going and continue pitching at a, you know, top of the league level when the Cubs lost one of the, you know, you probably maybe come into the season with Stroman as your number one, right? Depending on who you're asking for him to keep doing this. It's, he was already one of the most valuable players on this team. If we're talking about him winning a Cy Young, right? Like, duh. But for him to keep doing this and continue anchoring this rotation in the absence of Marcus Stroman, boy, just, uh, you know, heap 
any praise and accolades you want on Justin Steele because he has earned them. Yeah, let's do a quick ad break here. We have a lot to talk about today. Like, I feel like we're at the 20 minute marker, and yeah. there's like, we're like maybe one or two items on our Fasten list. Fasten those seatbelts, folks. I know. We might be here all day. We might be here the entire <laughs> night. Um, okay. Let's do these. Let's do these ad breaks here. So, this one I'm very excited about. This is a, a new sponsor. I think the first time I've read this on air is Factor Meal Kits. Uh, now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. It was very hot and sunny in Chicago today. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Ready to feel your best while making the most of your summer adventure? Stick to your wellness goals with premium ready-to-eat meals featuring high-quality ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, and asparagus. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, love risotto, uh, green goddess chicken, great name, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon ready in just two minutes. If you're like me, I'm kind of like I get kind of caught up, like sometimes you know, looking at some baseball stuff, and the time just speeds by. Like you know, two hours go by. I'm like, oh, it's already 8 p.m. So factor for me is like perfect. You put this in the microwave two minutes, and you do get like these restaurant quality meals. I was very impressed with this. They were very tasty. Yeah, very tasty. Jalapeno chicken was great. Oh, beautiful. With factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice as well. They offset 100% of delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for all production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash CHGO and use code CHGO to get 50% off. That's code CHGO at factormeals.com slash CHGO, again, to get 50% off. And just to, to clarify there, that's CHGO Cubs 50. So CHGO Cubs 50 for 50% off your factor meal kit. Another break here from our wonderful sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun gear with take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we have worn. They have durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers, as you guys know, the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building places for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS. The outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively for you guys. Shady Rays is offering their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, Brendan. Uh, as we noted, plenty to talk about. I want to talk about Saya. I want to talk about Cody Bellinger. Uh, but 
before I forget, right, because it was newsworthy, I, I yeah. do want to talk and, and just give uh, a big shout out to Miguel Amaya on Sunday. A nice game from Miguel Amaya. He's, of course, catching Kyle Hendricks uh, at the plate, hitting ninth, one for two with a walk and the game-winning home run. Look at uh, that. So that, of course, will have him be our Draft Kings king of the game. Uh, Miguel Amaya. I don't know if Cody placed a bet on DraftKings for Miguel Amaya to hit a home run today. I hope he did, and he's able to cash that. Of course, you have download the DraftKings app. Use our code CHGO when you sign up, uh, but pretty easy. Uh, you know, yeah. Adbert's going to have some games where he, you know, gives up some contact, gives up a run or two, but he had the cushion uh, thanks to our DraftKings king of the game, Miguel Amaya, and he, w- he has been catching Kyle Hendricks, Brendan, but He's able to be in there, and we get to see him because yeah. I didn't think they would do it. I didn't think they had it in him, but I they know. DFA'd Tucker Barnhart. You know, I kind of want to smile. I kind of don't want to smile because that's like $3 million, Because you know? of the money. Yeah. yeah I mean, with him right. and Mancini, like, first off, like the decision had to be made. Like, yeah, with Amaya proving to be this good offensively in, in the defensive trust and having P.J. Higgins back in the organization, which... You know, whether you like him or not, he has familiarity with the pitching staff and the coaching staff. That does matter. He was expendable. It's just, it's, it's frustrating, although I understand the process. Yeah. It's frustrating that they signed for a two-year deal. Sure. It's frustrating that despite the intention or the anticipation, rather, of them going over the luxury tax next year, like, you know, the separation from tier one to tier two on the overage of the luxury tax is only $20 million. So, like, you know... Like that stuff does matter, even if they do decide to go over it. And like ten million for Mancini and and Barnhart is just like, man. Like at some point, this front office done a lot of good this yeah. year. But some of these moves, it's like, man. Like what are we doing? Like it, this keeps well, happening. Well, I, I think as you mentioned, and you know, Vanilla Chill in our YouTube chat, and a lot of you know people I've seen this chatter, kind of taking that as a sign that they're going to spend money because if they weren't planning to blow past the luxury tax in this off season for next season, they would be pinching pennies with guys like Mancini and Barnhart and trying to figure out a way to get value out of them, right? Ultimately, for me, I never liked that signing. Um, I was salty about that from the jump. Backup catcher, defensive reputation, et cetera, but he was terrible in Detroit. He was an awful hitter here, and I was never really, like, Stroman liked pitching to him, which is, you know, fine. If the pitchers like it, they I'm not pitching, right? If they like the game calling, receiving, they et cetera, talk. I was never really particularly impressed with him behind the plate. It didn't look like he was great controlling the run game. One of those recent starts, he wasn't blocking enough. And even if Multiple it's a wild pitch, starts. right? Yeah. yeah, if it's a wild pitch, you know, technically that's on the pitcher, but Sometimes, like, if that's the pitch you're calling, you have to keep it in front of you, right? Like, that's what good catchers do. We saw, I think, in the game on Friday, Jan Gomes grab one across his body, like, beyond his other shoe. I've never seen such flexibility from a catcher. Like, that's what you're paying those guys to do. All told, I we can be frustrated that they're not that they're wasting money or not identifying some of these guys that are past their prime etc things like that but ultimately i give them a lot of credit it's a little late and was probably late on mancini too but i get it cuz you're on multi-year deals they made the tough decision and they cut bait and that's what they needed to do and that's when you are in a playoff race that is what a serious franchise is going to do it- miguel amaya say again 
And what a, a good learning experience for Miguel Amaya. Sure, you know, yeah. To be catching Kyle Hendricks. That was part of, you know, something that a lot of people talked about that they were frustrated when they were carrying three catchers was, you know, Miguel Amaya has battled through a lot of injuries. You want to make sure that you're not overexerting him and, and um, you know, capitalizing on Whoa. him being able to play at the major league level. Uh, but a lot of people wanted to see him more. And obviously, if you're carrying three catchers, Christopher Morel is DHing most days. It's tough to find the at-bat. So I'm very much looking forward to Amaya getting more playing time, being able to work with more of this pitching staff, et cetera. And like I said, look, like people have said it in the chat, like I'm not very rarely, I mean, in certain instances, if they're bad people, but like generally, I don't know Tucker Barnhart. He seems like a fine guy. I'm not rooting against him as a person. He's not a player on a contending baseball team in August. In I mean, the middle it of a sounds like you just kind of hate the personality. You just, <laughs> that's to me is what it sounds like. Right, you just hate Tucker said. Barnhart. Yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean. Like he's yeah. just not a player on a roster in a playoff race, especially on a team that is you know needs to get all these little margin moves right. Like he just yeah. isn't, and so. It took him a bit, but this is the move of a serious team trying to win games. It needed to be done, and I'm glad they did it. Now, looking more at Amaya, just really impressive, man, from a guy who has had such an up-and-down uh, you know, prospect career to this point, even only being 24 years old. I mean, this guy went from being a top prospect to having injuries derail that. And a lot of people kind of being like, I don't, I don't know, you know, he'll have to work back from all these injuries and we'll see if he can kind of reclaim that status. And here he is winning a game for the Cubs in the major leagues. Uh, and he's got a 123 WRC plus on the season in 118 at bats, 250, 376, 417. He's already got four homers. Just like really nice, man. I'm I'm really happy for him, and I'm glad we're gonna get to see him more. He did. I tweeted the video of it. I'm sure at Cubs did too. Uh, when Adbert did his, you know, fist yeah. pump thing today, Adbert does it at like a hundred. And Miguel yeah. Amaya did it after him at like a 50, you know, like okay. a, and it's going, yeah. yeah. And M- Miguel Amaya was like, yeah. But then Dan's <laughs> in the background doing it at like five miles yeah. per hour, you know, very gentle uh, fist bump. But the numbers too by Amaya, like offensively, the, like you can tell he's a mature just baseball player given what his profile is. Like this is a catcher who has had sparing playing time and he's chasing already less than your typical major league baseball player. His chase rate right now is 26%. That's like crazy for someone who's barely played it at the big league level. And his contact rate for someone who has that power from the catching position is 75%. That's about one percentage point away from league average. So this is a young guy who's being thrown in a position where you're catching at sometimes, most of the time, you know, one of the best cup starting pitchers in, in history. And then you have Strowman and a staff full of a mixture of veterans and young guys. It's very difficult to maneuver, I imagine. And it speaks volume to his maturity, speaks volume to the trust that he's earned from a very large pitching and catching infrastructure the Cubs have at the big league level and and at the AAA level as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will also note uh, we are monitoring. Uh, it looks like the Brewers are going to sweep the Texas Rangers in Texas. They are up 6-1 to one right now as we uh, are 
in the middle of our podcast, so we will update if that changes, but does look like you're ultimately going to lose uh, a game here this weekend, which was certainly not the plan uh, with the Brewers having a tough schedule, but it's a good reminder, like, you got to take care of business. You know what I mean? Put your head down, and I think that's also why, you know, Friday is frustrating. That first game against the White Sox is frustrating, but you come out of this game, and I think your main takeaway is just win games. Like, yeah. I, 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 I wish the offense were better against Jordan Lyles, but hey, just win games. You know what I mean? Like, I you just need that. to win games. Um, that's all you can do. So uh, we will keep an eye on that. By the time our show is over, we're getting to the end of it, we'll kind of take a full look at the wild card standings, the division standings, and kind of set you up for this week here uh, with starting with, excuse me, the Detroit Tigers. Um And I do want to read, I know we already kind of talked about uh, Kyle Hendricks, but I do want to read this quote. We just got it from our guy, Ryan Herrera, who you can follow, uh, of course, at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera, his great work at allchgo.com. Quote from Kyle Hendricks, uh, what he wants to give the Cubs down the stretch, quote, it's going to be more than eight starts. That's what we want to give them. We want to be in that place in October put ourselves in a good position to make a solid run. So yeah, we're preparing to go deep and pitch as many good ball games and win as many ball games and go deep in October for sure. I mean, that has me ready to run through a wall. Kyle Hendricks is talking about pitching deep into October. It's not really the answer I expected him to give, but hey. We were talking when you were at the game. I'm like, are they going to send him back out after 87 pitches? And so that's a sign right there. That should give a lot of fans, because for me, it gives me a lot of a lot of uh, confidence that he's going back out to start an inning following 87 pitches and a start during which the first inning was uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's a great sign. That means he's feeling healthy, the velocity sustained itself, and perhaps if everything's fine and things keep going the way they are, you can rely on him come October if the Cubs do intend to, or rather if they are in position to actually go through a playoff hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so again, uh, happy with the Barnhart move uh, needed to be done. And, you know, Brendan will continue to lament that lost money. But ultimately, I mean, don't put that on me. That's like a common thing. Like lamenting yeah. that money is like, that's like, that's not, that's I, a, I that's do agree. I believe that yeah. they're going to spend a lot in this offseason. This, this, yeah. this, they're, they're going to spend money. They're going to go over the luxury tax and they're okay with admitting they wasted some money it's fine i think it'll be fine um if that what did you say it's three million that that three million million, if that's the difference between them getting someone like shohei otani and not we'll crowdfund it all right we'll be fine all right there's enough cub fans if they make the playoffs they make some extra revenue it'll be fine don't worry about it um okay i we should talk about I, i don't really know that there's more to say about cody bellinger uh, then that has already been said. I, I, I will say uh, 150 watching live. If you are watching live, hit that like button. It helps us helps us reach more Cubs fans. So hit Hello. that thumbs up if you don't mind. We will be here though for 10 more hours. Right. So, you have yeah. you have a you while have 10 hours to, to do this. Up. Yeah. yeah. I got nothing you. to do today. Um, you know, just after a game like Saturday though, Brendan, it does feel like we have to at least <laughs> acknowledge. Cody Bellinger again, even if we don't have anything particularly. <laughs> what is this, the uh, Cody Bellinger podcast now? I, you know, I, I don't know what else there is to say, but, you know, even with an offer uh, on Sunday, he does have a sack fly that drives in a run early in this game. I thought that was going out, 
372, 561, a 147 WRC plus. He's already been worth north of four wins above replacement. He's great on defense. He's stealing bases. He's got 20 homers. Uh, The second homer of his two-homer game on Saturday was his 20th of the season. And as we've been monitoring all season, again, I give Brendan credit very rarely for anything, but I do give him credit that you identified early in this season that his K rate and contact rate was the thing to watch because that is what drastically changed from when he was really good in Los Angeles to when he was not so good. Uh, Not the the only thing that changed, right? Uh, He had some good seasons earlier in his career as a Dodger with a higher K rate but won the MVP in 2019 with a K rate at 16.4%. Right now, after the game on Sunday, it is at 15.2%, Brendan. That is a recipe for success for Cody Bellinger because not only does it mean he's able to hit more home runs, but it means that he's able to use those legs, put the ball in play, and good things will happen sometimes, even if it's not your best hit ball. But when you strike out closer to 30%, obviously you cut that down. Just Again, we've done a deep dive on this. We've talked about him a lot, but with a two-homer game on Saturday, you know, they've got the Aaron Water show uh, going on in the background here in Chicago all weekend. You heard it if you're watching, uh, you know, any of these games or listening to these games. And, you know, Cody Bellinger putting on his own air show here on Saturday, just bomb after bomb after bomb. And I love watching him go oppo. It's so satisfying. His swing is beautiful. I was watching his Little League swing from, was it 20 years ago now? Looks basically the same, but like in in all seriousness, the swing from year and a half ago, two years ago, it is quite different. Like you can just go look at his time uh, post injury, shoulder injury with the Dodgers, and you map that to what he and Dustin Kelly have been talking about, and you understand the process of what they're trying to do. And they were talking to our guy Ryan Herrera here at CHGO, like what is the actual process? And when they came in spring. Yes, he was healthy, but there's a common theme that I pick up on when Dustin Kelly talks about hitting. Like he has some certain phrases and words. I think we all do, but like he in particular uses the word sights, setting sights very often. Like Joe Madden used like these different phrases too. Uh, He loved like these consistent phrases. Um, But for Dustin Kelly, like he always says set sights, set sights, set sights. And one of the intention was to combat up fastballs, fastballs elevated up in a strike zone. And he's done that. And then he was talking to Ryan, since Cody's been able to successfully hit those up and in fastballs, they've been trying to drop in curveballs to Cody Bellinger ahead of the count, even to start counts. And then Dustin Kelly said, well, you know, now he's attacking curveballs. So there's really nothing you can do to get this guy out. And then he's talking before the two homer game about Cody working on curveballs. Like Cody was not, this is, the trait of an MVP, MVP type player. Cody was not happy with his performance on Friday. So he comes to Wrigley early on Saturday and he's working with Dustin Kelly just on curveballs. And what does he do? It's two home runs, attacks, breaking pitches, and has success. That is what makes MVP hitters so unique because they can identify the problem and rapidly fix it. And you go out the same day and you hit two home runs. I mean, what can you say? The guy has been everything and then some. Uh, you know, hey, uh, I, I, there's always comments when we do this about re-signing him, things like that. You know, we know that like an extension, you know, that's just not something that's going to happen. They're in the middle of a playoff race. 
him and Scott Boris are going to want to hit the market. We said it before the trade deadline. He fits what this team is doing, obviously. I mean, like, you know, you got a guy with <laughs> four wins above replacement in does, August, does, 20 does homers. He, does he fit the team, Corey? Yeah. Let, okay. let me tell making, you. Um, expert sure. analysis here. Yeah, Cody Bollinger's good. good. Yeah. I think they should keep yeah. it. No, but even before the trade deadline, you know, you're looking at the positions that he plays. Center, first. He could DH if you wanted. I'm sure you could stick him other places, but he plays great defense wherever you put him. He can steal bases. He's got the power. And if he's got this he's K got rate speed. down, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's a great player. It's going to cost you a lot of money, right? And th- that was everybody's plan, right? Like, it it works for Cody. It worked for the Cubs. I, th- I think they will be in that market, and I think they should be in that market. But as to whether that happens, it's a question for the offseason, right, and how, how they have their plans laid out. But he absolutely should be in their conversation and someone that they're spending money on. I'll do this ad break here, but one last point. I would love to see what he and Dansby Swanson watch on the iPads after those at-bats. Like even uh, today, you're not the game because you can't see this, but Nico scores in the first inning. He's rounding uh, home plate to come back to the dugout. And he's, I think I tweeted this, and he's looking at Tansy Swanson like, yeah, like it's like something pitch wise that they're not doing. I love that. Like, yeah. I love Dansby. Well, I love Dansby, but I love Dansby and Cody Bellinger and like Nika and all these guys. Like, dude, they're communicating together in game, yeah. looking at video together post home runs. I've never seen that before. Like, I know about like, iPads are new, but that's weird. That's like very cool for, uh, for me. You know, we talked about it. One, it's really fun to see so many of these guys in competitive games, right? Like seeing Nico Horner in these big games, you know, Ian Happ, um, Miguel Amaya today, Adbert, Justin Steele, some of the guys that really haven't been in as many of these games, right? But you knew that you were getting leadership and that, you know, real genuine like captain of the team type clubhouse vibes from someone like Dansby Swanson. But Cody Bellinger has done an awful lot of winning in his career as well. He has been with a franchise in LA that in his tenure as a Dodger has only the standard of winning, right? Winning their division and competing for World Series titles. And so I love seeing that stuff. Like I know you're identifying the little moment and I love stuff like that. I remember the camera panned out when they beat the Cardinals and Talkman made that catch in center field and each of their individual reactions, like seeing winners in this environment is exciting. And, you know, we talked about it on Friday. It's a frustrating loss. And our guy, Greg Braggs was kind of making the point, like, this is what you want though, right? You don't want them to lose that game on Friday but you want competitive baseball. You want to be nervous in the eighth and ninth inning. You want to be frustrated after a loss. You feel like they should have won because that's what competitive baseball is. That is what playoff chase baseball is. And it is a ton of fun watching some of these particular players in this environment. All right, let's do these ad breaks here. I got all these uh, graphs I've made. I have not even shown them yet. It's been 45 minutes and you have not let me. Burying the lead. You're killing me here. All right, so let's do these ad breaks here. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. This is like my third time doing this ad break, but I, I genuinely love Circle K. Check out your local Circle K for the best coffee, beer, snack selection, and premium gas. Look out for freebies and giveaways down the road. There's five Circle Ks within like a 10-mile radius of where I'm currently at. So if I want to come home from work, you know, I want like a pick-me-up, I want a Snickers bar, something, I go to Circle K. 
They have locations, I'm sure, by a lot of you guys as well. Thanks to Circle K for sponsoring CHGO. And visit your uh, nearest Circle K to pick up all your favorite finds. Also, CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. The Goose IPA is six-time Medal winner, a great American beer fest, always in style, a citrus aroma, a bold hop finish. They also have the Tropical Beer Hug, a dry hopped Imperial IPA that's 9.9% alcohol and dangerously easy to drink. I think whenever I watch Cody's weekend videos, he is like, you can tell he's like five plus Goose Islands deep. Like every single video, I'm like, oh, is it Cody going to make it? Best way to live, man. I know. I was like, is he, is he going to make it till Monday? I'm always worried summertime, about Summertime, Chicago, Goose Island. Summer. Can't it's the summer it. of Mike Talkman. Also the summer of Cody as well, Cody Del Mendo. Uh, they have the Full Pocket Pilsner, which if you're taking a beer chug, that's the one to use. It's an everyday beer. It's what the brewers are drinking. And they have my favorite, 312 Wheat Ale. Grab ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island's Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Before we get back to talking more about baseball, final ad break here from our sponsor, Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces and get tons of compliments on and off the course. They are family owned and they are a wonderful golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. All right, Brendan. Uh... You've got graphs. Yeah. Which which do you want to use? Lot. Uh, are we allowed to like bring down the vibus a little bit? No, not yet. Okay. Not no tie on well. yet. Sorry. Um, let's let's address the PCA sized elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody's thinking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Um, you know, it's it is definitely something I'm into. Um, we've talked before that obviously he is an extremely important piece to this franchise long-term and they're going to prioritize that. Uh, but you are able to read some of the tea leaves, right? And like you have, um, he's playing the corner outfield a little bit coming up. That was, I think, reported, uh, by Tommy Birch, I think, uh, from the Iowa Cubs, and it's one of those things that raise some eyebrows. Like, interesting. He's an 80-grade center fielder, right? He's going to win a bunch of gold gloves in center field throughout his major league career. Why might he be trying some other positions, Brendan? Uh, perhaps he's preparing for something, mm. right? Um, to me, you're going to want to find that balance, right? Because do they feel like he is ready as a major league hitter? I think the K rate is maybe you'd like that to get ironed out a little bit. Are you going to be able to give him a number of plate appearances that you're comfortable with? Do you want him not playing regularly down this stretch if that's ultimately what it comes up with? Uh, But I've seen some people use the phrase chaos maker or a disruptor, right? And that is really what my eye is on, right? Because I think he'll be fine 
if he's in a limited role, if that's ultimately what happens, right? Or if he struggles against major league pitching, because what he can do for a major league team in a playoff race doesn't really depend on those things, right? His speed is elite. His defense is elite. The ability to have someone like him come off the bench and steal a base. You lost a couple close games this week, right, against the White Sox and then the Royals on Friday. If you had a guy you could bring off the bench that is really a a safe bet to steal a base, boy, wouldn't that be nice, right? Or you move the defense around and you have a guy, he made a catch on, I think, Friday or Saturday where the minor league camera was like panned toward left center. He came out of like, he wasn't even in the frame and he made the catch against the wall. And that's not even talking about the ones where he's jumping up the wall and all the other stuff he's doing, but he's so fast. He's like shaded to right center and he's coming out of the frame that the camera's not even looking at him to catch the ball. Those skills play in a playoff race. You Uh, see teams do this all the time. Billy Hamilton lives a very nice life because he has those skills, You just right? compare PCA to Billy Hamilton? No, but I'm saying he's he's living a very nice life because even after he was a regular player, teams bring him in in August or September to do just those things, right? So they're, they're going to evaluate how they feel about this, and I know people are going to ask the questions of what does that mean for Mike Talkman if PCA is in center? Do they plan on playing him at the corner because they have him trying out the corners? That wouldn't really make a lot of sense to me, uh, but whatever. Is Belly your first baseman? Like, There's a lot of questions, but I think the ultimate takeaway for me, Brendan, is the guy has skills that play at this level. He's ready to come up. He can adjust to major league pitching at whatever pace they feel comfortable, but those skills play. And a spark at this kind of time, especially after a, you know, sort of meh offensive week overall, sounds really nice. Yeah. You know, they've been aggressive with these recent DFAs, been aggressive in some of their, at some positions, their lineup. I know maybe Ian Happ. The the Ian Happ, their Benny Thur stuff, like, you know, different discussion or whatever. I personally don't really care much for it, but... Um, you know, they have been aggressive with, say, like Batty Morrell lead off. I think that signifies they're willing to be aggressive, even if it makes some fans uncomfortable or even if it seems like too aggressive. And I think that means like PCA is definitely on the table. Like they talked about it too. It came out of the front office, like PCA is going to be considered, right? So in my thinking, that requires PCA to continue to have success, obviously, but also success with having traits that are uh, aligned with what you need to succeed at the big league level. And that is making contact for someone like PCA's batting profile. Like he's not going to be your 30 plus home run potential guy that you've seen other guys in the system like Owen Casey possess. That'd be crazy if he ends up being like that, but it's just not in his profile. So for PCA, he's going to have to make more contact. He's going to have to have a strikeout rate that we currently see at the AAA level right now. He's striking out around 21% of the time. That's pretty good in about 75 plate appearances. That should play well. Like if that translates to the big league level, I imagine that's fine. It's just the idea of can he succeed at the big league level this year but not exasperate some of the underlying uh, traits that 
have led in the past to strikeouts and whiffs. And I think they'll balance that. And there's also a side to me too, where it's like, you know, maybe that's already been passed. Like those early season whiff rates may have just been, you know, a thing of the past and they are, you know, beyond that. But to me, he has to succeed in a way that aligns well with the big league level. And I think he's doing that so far. I will say I watched, I watched baseball all day yesterday. Didn't leave my place. Watched all day. I got this hurricane out here. He's unbelievable. I watched a triple A game. Like, chaos is not even the right word to describe it like he's running the bases like his hair is on fire yeah like he it's it's unbelievable the energy this guy's this guy brings to the game i think they i think the iowa cubs tweeted out that they had his home to third like on the on a triple at like 11 seconds i mean he's I mean, got blazing speed i'm watching the game he's running second base and my jaws yeah. like dropped i'm like holy crap like this yeah. is nuts. i want it i need it yeah. Let's I mean, go. if it were me, it's I'd call like him up tomorrow. It's like that Scotty Pippen gif where he's pointing at his shoe <laughs> like, I want it. Come on. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, it's a good question uh, from Edward in our YouTube chat here. Um, are the most likely September call-ups PCA and Jordan Wicks? Um, also, just to finish on the PCA thing, I kind of took him playing the corner outfield more as a, like, he's probably going to get called up, get a little experience tracking and playing left field and right just because you never know what might happen in a playoff race in the major leagues right like maybe you get put in for a defensive replacement again he should always be in center field he's an elite center fielder he's insane right but I have no problem with him just trying stuff out and they just want to be prepared that was my read on it I know a lot of other people were like why would he play the corner outfield I don't know that was my I mean read. I still think that like I don't even think that makes sense like put Talkman in the corner like I don't care like why I, I agree <laughs> I but but we know he's an 80 grade center fielder so if they want him to see some balls at the angles and left and right I, you know you know what cares, they can do right add five infielders and let PCA just be <laughs> you know take two spots yeah. in the outfield that, right. that's the way to do it god Kyle Hendricks would have an ERA of zero <laughs> if they had five infielders yeah, they'd have um, to ban the Chicago Cubs I what do you what do you think about Jordan Wicks right I so like it, it is interesting right and we can piggyback this with the conversation about Tyone if you want to get into some of those uh graphs and stuff like that as we sure. mentioned the rotation uh for this series with Detroit is going to have Assad, Smiley, and Tyone. Um, I I read it earlier. I don't remember if that's the right order, but it's those three guys. Sure. Um, Drew Smiley's been very hit or miss, right? Look better, I think, out of the bullpen, uh, but they need arms. They need guys that can start and are stretched out, and, and this is how they have things set up. I think Jordan Wicks is a really good candidate to come up. And kind of similarly, Brendan, I personally would like to see it. Uh, So far this year, 33 innings at Iowa, a 3.82 ERA. He also had 50 and a third, 58 and a third innings at Tennessee, double A, a 3.39 ERA. He's one of those guys that when the Cubs drafted him, projected to be a fast mover just because he's not a big time power pitcher. Uh, but is someone who has several pitches and understands how to use those pitches to get results, right? Um, I'd like to see it. Again, you mentioned being aggressive with some of the DFAs. I'd like to see him get aggressive with some of these call-ups, right? Like reinforcements can really help. The rotation has been uninspiring at times, right? You've had guys step up. You have Justin Steele leading the way this entire time. There's no guarantee that Jordan Wicks comes up and is successful. And, you know, obviously it's asking a lot, right? You're coming up in very competitive baseball games, right? And needing to pitch well. But 
I think it's worth a shot, right? Like you, if if we're asking, like, do I would I rather see like Drew Smiley try to figure it out for this last month and a half, or would I rather they give Jordan Wicks a shot? I'm taking Wicks, and it's not even close. That's a that's a pretty bold statement from you. I know, like you've been kind of down and smiling. And I, and I Meaning, I would rather give it a shot, not that yeah. I necessarily think it works. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I think Wicks. I, you know, I retweeted our good friend Greg Zumach, but there's there's potential this Thursday that he may get called up, just given some of the underlying lineups the Pirates put out that are conducive to Jordan Wick's profile. Um, we might see him sooner. By the time we talk next week, Jordan Wick's may have already made his debut. That would be kind of cool. cool. Um, that would be aggressive. Then again, I still think if it's not next week, I do think Jordan Wick's will, will debut this year. Um you know, I think the, the days of Caleb Killian getting uh, shots and non-mop-up duty are probably gone for 2023. And I think Wicks is probably the next guy up. Ben Brown, velocity was decreasing over his past starts prior to going on the IL. Right. Even if Brown was uh, still pitching with, with health, I do think that Jordan Wicks would get the opportunity over Ben Brown. So um, if, if, if we were to see... Jordan Wicks, and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but let's say it happens before you and I are on the air again. If somebody asked you, who is Jordan Wicks? How does oh, he pitch? Got, what stuff. does he do well? What should I expect oh. if he comes up and makes a major league start sometime in the near future? How would you answer that question? This is what his fastball looks like. So I got to loop this one second. There we go. So his fastball, if you're on the, the Apple feed or the Spotify feed, Come over to YouTube. You can see his pitch modeled versus the major league average fastball. So in blue is the major league average fastball for a left-handed pitcher. And what you're noticing is that both these pitches end up in the same location, up and in to left-handed batters, but the red pitch doesn't have as much arm side to run to it. Jordan Wick's four-seam fastball has what's known as like relative cut. So the amount of horizontal break on that pitch is about three inches versus the major league average around seven inches. That's quite significant. And that's why you see on this animation here, his forcing fastball look up just a little bit straighter. So that that is good. That suggests, given how fastballs play to opposite handedness, suggests that he has a greater potential to negate platoon splits because his fastball is straighter than a forcing fastball that has more arm side run like what we've seen with uh, uh, Hayden Wisniewski and Jameson Tyone recently, who have about seven inches of arm side run, and both those guys have been getting hit hard against left-handed batters this year. And then the question is, okay, his four-seam looks good. What about his wipeout pitch? What does he do well for his wipeout pitch? This is what it looks like. So here we have another animation here. You're looking at his changeup in blue. So there's that four-seam fastball. That's very straight. There's that changeup in the same window. That changeup, is a very comfortable pitch for Jordan Wicks. So if you look at his repertoire in AAA this year, he's thrown his changeup the most of all secondary pitches. He's thrown about 154 seam fastballs. He's thrown about 100 changeups. He's been messing with a slider, cutter, curveball, breaker type variation, and that may not be quite there yet. That might be a project for next year. But he does have a changeup that has had success, and he's been pretty comfortable with it for 
my understanding is most of his time coming up through the system. It's just for him, it's been like, all right, do we settle on that curveball? Do we settle on that uh, that slider or that cutter? Or there's, It seems as if, as an outsider looking in, it seems as if they're still trying to find that pitch. But when he debuts, which again, I think will happen like this year, forcing a fastball, very straight, straighter than most forcing fastballs, change up in the same window, looks pretty good, and has had success. And his overall line in AAA so far, entering Monday, K per nine of 8.2, walk per nine of 3.55, ERA of 3.8 in AAA in seven starts, 33 innings. Looks pretty good. Seems like he's there and he's ready and we can see him any day. Yeah, I mean, the thing I think to look for uh, is that a lot of these starts are short, right? So if you were going to bring him up, you were going to give him an opportunity, uh, a lot of his starts, you're not going to be looking to get a ton of length right? Which I think makes yeah. sense, right? Because you don't necessarily want a guy coming up and making his debut going through the lineup three or four times, right? You'd be happy uh, with a couple times through the order. But, you know, just looking at his most recent starts uh, on August 17th, four and two thirds, uh, August 10th, five, August 4th, five, July 23rd, five, July 18th, four, July 6th, five. So a lot of five inning starts, things like that. Um, you know, and guy's young, he's a prospect, there's no reason to blow out his arm, right? But you know, if he does come up expecting him yeah, to go that's, seven, that's eight innings, maybe lower the expectations, right? You're just hoping he comes up, is successful, and gets you however many outs he can get you on a particular day because that's what the Cubs need. It'd be interesting, too, with him facing, you know, let's say, uh, you know, a lefty lineup, and it does present an opportunity. You get to the fifth, you get to the sixth, you have Hayden Wisniewski in the bullpen, you kind of force the manager's hand to make some decisions. You know, you bring in Hayden out of the bullpen where you kind of force him to like maybe pinch hit earlier on than you would otherwise want as as a manager. That would be interesting. I think um, of all the Cubs triple A guys right now, pitching wise, like I think he excites me the most because um, he has he has a current base that is strong, right? He's not a finished product. Like he's not going to come up and likely blow teams away. Like he still has traits and pitches he needs to work on but i like him because he already has that foundation like he already has a pitch type that suggests platoon splits are not going to be a problem which i like and he already has a secondary pitch where she's like very strong in and very comfortable in which i like as well and then he's also one of those like you know crazy pitchers who you can imagine works hard he's going to find that breaker over time and also too you bring him in like this environment with tommy hadavi daniel moscow's and you know, this major league environment that might help him develop that breaker as well. So it's a win-win for all sides. Yeah. So very interesting. See how aggressive the Cubs are. See ultimately what they decide to do. I'm for it. Um, You know, and again, even if he's not able to go a ton of innings, like it just gives David Ross and Tommy Hadovy some more toys to play with, like you were saying. Ultimately, you got to get 27 outs every game. So however they decide to piece that together, especially with uh, a staff that is, you know, running on fumes a little bit. You've had a, a good bit of injuries here um, and a bullpen that, you know, is being very heavily relied on in terms of a certain sect of guys that are asked to shut down a lot of these close games. Yeah. Um, so I think reinforcements would be good. Uh, do want to talk, we are over the hour mark. Let's Corey go. and Brendan Sunday experience. Ooh. That's how it is. Um, I do... We should. I do want to talk about Tyone. I know you've been thinking about Tyone, um, some little stuff there, um, and you know, making sure that he is good for this last month and a half. Obviously, it's a four-year deal. You're going to want him to be good for a longer period. 
but you've noted that some of this stuff is going to be tough to fully address in the middle of the season, especially in the middle of a playoff race. Um, but in this start against Detroit, what are we looking for? How do we get him on track? Um, and I think, you know, really the the, the key, the, there's a few keys for him, but one of the things that I think has been particularly frustrating, even in the games where he has pitched better, he's still having trouble with mistakes, right? He's leaving some some spinning balls over the middle of the plate, and they're being taken care of by some of these uh, better hitters. And so what are you looking for in his next start, and how do you think he best can be effective for this Cubs team for this last month and a half here? Uh, I got, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think Tyone has so many pitch types that he can make it work. What we've seen in the past two starts, kind of worrisome. I think he needs that four-seam fastball. Like, that's something he's talked about a lot and hammered down throughout the entire year, and it's just not, it's not there. So then the question is, like, what's wrong with it? Um, I don't have the answer to that, but we can look at what they're trying to do with it. And in addition to, as we've talked about for the past few weeks here, in addition to them trying to get its shape back to a straighter looking pitch, kind of like what Jordan Wicks is doing, uh, they've appeared throughout the year to change their intention of where he wants to locate that pitch. So if you look at where he's locating his pitch this year, which is on the bottom panel of this chart. Again, if you want to see this, come over on the YouTube page. And what we're looking at is comparing his four-seam location. I can see Corey peeking out over my graph right now and distracting the hell out of me. Uh, I can see <laughs> in 2022 as a Yankee, you can see him when he attacks left-handed batters with four-seam fastballs. Uh, he's going up and in to left-handed batters. Now, last year with the Yankees, he had pretty good success with that pitch. Now, his expected weight on base average was around 300-ish, give or take, the location in the upper part of the zone against left-handed batters. Now, if you look at 2022, the location seems to have shifted from up and into lefties to up and away to lefties. Now, there's a caveat here. The caveat is that sometimes these contours are kind of skewed, and this is not an accurate representation of their intention, which is all fair. So if you model this using different you know, uh, methods, it might look different. But if you just visually look at the opaque pitch dots, you can see there's much less, much few, many fewer dots in the upper end part of the strike zone to left-handed batters. And that's coincided with an expected weight on base average of like over 600 in that same location. So the question I have is like, like why would they do that? So, you know, I was asking, you know, some people who are in, in the sport, I'm like, what's going on here? And the one idea is, well, they're trying to get his curveball more north to south. And that might be one way of boosting his curveball, which he's had success with over the past couple of weeks here. But then again, it's like, okay, well, the four seam has been, it's been getting smacked hard. So like, you know, my idea would be, well, let's just go up and in like he was doing for the past year and years before that. Uh, but then the question is, well, maybe he's not comfortable doing that because he is getting more arm side run. And then ultimately it comes down to, well, this just sucks. And there may not be anything you can do about it. Uh, you just got to hope that he can negate some of those lefty platoon issues that he's been facing and just really pinpoint that command with that with that curveball and still show that cutter in that tight window and that might be the way around it but like 
we need Tyone. This team needs Tyone with Stroman out. I can't, I can't shake that. Like to get into a playoff hunt, and let's say you do make a playoff spot, you're in a short series. Like man, like this team really needs Tyone to step up, and you can't just assume. Given some of the recent injury history of Kyle Hendricks, even though he's been phenomenal this year, still, still, you always have to calculate that there is an uncertainty given that capsular tear. Uh, and the same thing with Justin Steele. Like, you just never know, given that he's never gone through late September high leverage innings, if he's going to be there, like, fully. Yeah. So that's why I've always, like, when I watch Ty Yon, I'm like, oh, like, please, like, let this be the day. Let this be the day. Let this be the day. Because he has a track history of stamina. And for me, it gives the Cubs another insurance policy in case something unpredictable happens, like another Stroman type uh, mm-hmm. injury or setback. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's been a mostly solid enough stretch from Tyone. If you go back to that start on July 7th against the Yankees, eight shutout innings, of course, in New York, uh, that I think led to the Yankees hitting coach being fired. Um, and really has, they have not gotten out of that tailspin. So if that's your flavor, you can enjoy that. Um, but you know, since then five and two thirds, three runs against the nationals, five and two thirds, just one run against the Cardinals, six, one run against the Cardinals that following start on July 29th, five, two runs against the Reds, seven, two runs against the Reds, uh, a blow up in Toronto, three, eight runs, uh, that game in Toronto. And then on Friday against the Royals, uh, six innings, six hits, four runs and two earned, you know, defense, not great behind him. But again, you know, um, not great, right? It didn't feel great, right, watching it. I, I don't know if it felt like a six-inning, two-earned start. Like, at that rate, it would be a quality start. Like, I don't I don't know if I felt that way, just like the quality of pitching. But it's been mostly fine. You need that to continue, right? Like, you, you need him to continue to step up, find some better command, be able to execute things better. Um, as we've noted, it's it, it is a project going forward the there is a difference between what you're expecting out of him I think for the rest of this season and what you'd hope to get out of him for the three years left on his contract right like it it's not that easy to fix stuff the Cubs tried to add some stuff to his repertoire tweak some things coming into the season it, it's not that easy to just ditch them in August right so you're hoping he can give you quality starts keep the team in the game, similar to what we're asking for a lot of these guys, right? Like quality starts, eat six or seven innings, keep the offense in the game. That's all anybody's asking from a lot of these guys. So let's see if Tyone can do it. Uh, We will see. Detroit is not good. I would certainly hope so. And I saw uh, some people, I can't remember if it was on on Twitter or in our YouTube chat, um, but they did it again this weekend, Brendan what stop stop letting the best guy on a bad offense beat you you know they're making pitches to Bobby DeWitt Witt Jr they just shouldn't be making right and we saw it with Luis Robert we saw it with Pete Alonzo so I think it's Spencer Torkelson with Detroit is is the person that no, you're, you're going to want to be careful for he, here's a here's an idea for the Cubs they can use this for free they don't even have to pay me Whoa. don't throw pitches to Spencer Torkelson down the middle of the plate don't hang breaking balls do it to somebody else, all right? Okay. There so, you go. Thank yeah. you. If you're a pitcher for the Cubs, listen to Corey and don't hang a breaking pitch to a good yeah. hitter. Well, it's, hey, it's a, listen, good, it's a good strategy. It's a good – and you, you say that sort of jokingly, but they keep doing it, right? Alonzo homered in every game. Yeah. Luis Robert 
wins a game because you're throwing a hanging breaking ball center cut, right? Beautiful center cut hanging breaking ball from Julian Merriweather. And then we saw it on Friday with Witt Jr. Like, I mean, they just trust, they just trust talking to center field to scale the wall and drop home runs. That's what it is. You know, it's a good strategy. A little tougher at Wrigley than it is uh, at Bush. Well, PCA will be able to figure it out. I can see PCA robbing those basket shots. Um, Okay, so a couple things before we sign off. Oh, we're still, off. We're still going here? Huh? We're still going here? Or is this yeah. hour and 10 minutes? All right, yeah. let's go. No, we're good. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah. just to, to Edward's point, like every every team requires like, you know, not leaving center cut fastballs to their best players. I think the point is that, and, it's, and it continues in this stretch, the Cubs are playing teams that just don't have a lot of good hitters. You know, so when you're playing the Braves, sure, if Matt Olson doesn't beat you, maybe Ronald Acuna will. Like, you can't really pitch around people in that lineup. You can pitch around the Royals lineup. You can pitch around Pete Alonso. You can pitch around Luis Robert. The rest of the lineup is garbage. So you just be more careful with that. And it's going to continue with Detroit and then Pittsburgh. Like, they have a guy or two that can beat you, but not a full lineup. So pick your pick your battles, right? Like, don't walk guys in front of the best hitters. And be careful when you are pitching to them. I know they know that, but they keep failing at that execution, Brendan. So it's like, it sounds like a stupid thing to say, but <laughs> they keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like, this is like a couple weeks now. Yeah. Anyway, um, I do want to make sure we give uh, some good credit to one Seiya Suzuki. Uh, hits a homer in the game on Sunday. And I think overall, you know, still has some games that don't look great, but I think has looked good since he came back from that little... Uh, kind of, you know, rest stint, bench stint that David Ross gave him for a handful of games. His last 15 games here, uh, he's got four homers driven in nine, 264, 268, 566, slugging in 53 at-bats. Last seven games hitting 280, 269 on base. So he's not walking uh, as much, 520 slug, a couple homers in that last seven-game stretch. Um, and then even going back, you know, his last 30 games, uh, 254, 296, 465. So is he the power hitter that you wanted him to be when you signed him? Is he the player that you wanted him to be? You know, not not yet, right? And maybe he does or doesn't become that. It depends if you believe in that. Um, but he's back to an above-league average hitter. Uh, overall, 102 WRC plus on the season. He had a nice weekend here making some nice catches in right field. He looks, uh, I think, more comfortable in right field than he did in his first year. He won a lot of defensive accolades in Japan, um, so kind of just was maybe waiting for him to acclimate. A lot more games out outside. Wrigley Field is a tough place to play. Wind is blowing in, out. You've got those power alleys, things like that. Um, but big home run today. They needed it. I, I wish they had done better work against Jordan Lyles, who is just awful, uh, but they didn't. But Seiya Suzuki with a very nice home run that uh, for a minute there looked like it was going to be the winner, but it ultimately was Miguel Amaya. So nice to see from Seiya. Nice little stretch here. And, you know, for a guy, again, what you paid him, this production isn't good enough. But for a guy that right now is hitting in the seven or eight spot in this lineup, you're just hoping can get on base, do some damage here every now and again, you'll take it for now as we're in the middle of a playoff race. He's one of those guys, too, that you can see the tides changing where like he does go on a hot stretch here and he boosts his way back up that lineup. Like he has that in him. Like his underlying numbers have been pretty good this year in bulk. I mean, max exit velocity is 94th percentile. 
hard hit rate, 82%, 82nd percentile, you know, expected batting average also 70th percentile. Like he has underlying traits that in theory should translate to success. It's just extreme peaks, extreme, extreme valleys. And then of course we always talk about this, but Dustin Kelly has mentioned that he has some of the best underlying batting data on the team, even comparing that to like Cody Bellinger and Dansby Swanson and Ian App and all those guys, right? So it's there. I think when we talk about extremes and we highlight Cody Bellinger as an extreme, Kyle Hendricks returning as an extreme, Christopher Morell's power surge as an extreme, and some negative extremes as well. One of the extremes that could happen that I think is realistic is Seiya Suzuki finding that next stride. It's not a certainty, and I wouldn't expect it. When we talk about this stuff, it's not to say, oh, he's going to do it. I would not expect it, but I would not be surprised if something just like clicks for him. You know, he's still a young guy, relatively speaking, especially young for someone in uh, Major League Baseball and organizations going through adjustments. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I have to tell myself to be patient with him because I lack patience in, in general with a lot of players. With him, kind of have to have more patience, but be strategic about it. And I like what they've been doing with him over the past couple of weeks here, playing him lower in the order. In some cases, Talkman's in the lineup in right field and Seiya's on the bench. I like that. And I think yeah. keep doing that. But if he does show signs of breaking out of it, then you start to have to make dis- difficult decisions. of Like, all right, maybe Seiya should play more than Talkman. And a lot of similar decisions lineup-wise to that as well. Well, and I think, you know, it's something we talked about too, you know, heading into the deadline. Obviously, they go and acquire uh, Jamer, who's provided some slug and is one of those guys you can lean on for that. But, you know, part of the thing we talked about is just even getting guys like Hap and Seiya to slug a little bit more because you saw it on Sunday. Like, that's why it's so important, right? Your offense is hitting the ball hard in a lot of instances, but it's finding gloves. The Royals are making plays. Matt Duffy could have won a gold glove with what he was doing at third base today. I mean, I, I couldn't know. believe what I was watching. Um, but, you also have, sometimes you just need somebody, somebody to slug one, right? To get some runs across, give you some insurance runs, some breathing room, et cetera. Doesn't have to be an offensive onslaught every day, right? It would be nice, you know, that little stretch. No, it ha- it scoring, has to be. Yeah. yeah. If they were scoring 16 runs, 20 runs, you know, should, like that's great. It should great. be that's like that every single game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there are those games where, hey, you wish you had done better against Jordan Lyles. You wish some more balls found a, a piece of grass or something like that. Uh, but every now and again, you just need somebody to pop one, right? And if Saya can just do that, you'd like it more. Don't don't twist my words, right? But occasionally is what they were lacking for so much of that early portion of the season that it felt like unless Cody Bellinger hit a home run, right, they just weren't going to hit well, a home run. Look at it today. It's like the, the difference with Saya Suzuki hitting a home run, you know, like and having that pop. Yeah. And Miguel and Miguel Maya. But like those are like the instances too. And like Cody Bellinger, you know, sack fly didn't go yards today. But when you match all of that together and you have the capacity to hit home runs, it does provide value. And then we'll get to uh, uh, some more comments here. But like one last point. I We didn't talk about it, but like the Patrick Wisdom stuff at first base. Like, yeah, he's been awful at first base. But when Seiya Suzuki provides an offensive spark, it allows Ross to offset some of the defensive risk at first base because you don't have to insert Patrick Wisdom 
in those situations where you need pop because maybe now your lineup has a better probability of providing that pop and you can put Cody Bellinger at first base. You can call it PCA as well and you put him in the outfield and you put Cody back at first base too. But uh, let's get yeah. to the super sharp hour. One of our best friends of the show, Corey, Gerard, yes. uh, gives $20. Wow, thank you, Gerard. That. And we'll read this here. Got to get a super chat in for you both on this rainy Sunday. Great show today. Thanks, Corey and Brendan. Thank you. Yes, it is very Gerard. rainy outside. I hope my window does not break over here. Actually, it's not that bad. Um, um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's I think that's somehow all we have for you. Um, if you have any questions, drop it in the chat. We'll try to you know yeah, see if we can get to it before seconds. we sign off. I do want to uh, sort of set the table for where we are as we finish this episode, right? Like, um, I think there's some games still going on, but the Brewers did win. The Brewers do sweep the Texas Rangers. Um, Brewers pitching staff was lights out this weekend in Texas, uh, Saturday and Sunday, not so much on Friday, but a failed comeback bid for the Rangers. Uh, so in the division, the Cubs are three games behind the Milwaukee Brewers, just two games in the loss column though, which is always something to keep an eye on as we head towards the end of the season here. The Reds did lose, uh, on Saturday and Sunday. So the Reds are four games back of the Chicago uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers, one behind the Chicago Cubs in the division. Uh, and then if you look at the wild card standings as we look at this right now, uh, Philly plays, I believe, tonight with Washington. But I think most everybody else is done. Uh, we're doing this live, so I can't look at the scoreboard. Um, but the Cubs hold the third and final wild card spot by a game over Arizona, Cincinnati, and Miami. San Diego is the next team in that race at six games. Philly has a three-game hold on the first wild card spot. San Francisco, uh, a half-game hold in the second spot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of teams involved. It gets tricky, right? But Take care of your own business, beat bad teams, rack up W's. You will get an opportunity at the end of the month here to play the Milwaukee Brewers, to take care of your own business and everything else. If you do your job, Brendan, everything else sorts if I, itself if out. If I do my job? Yeah, my personal your job. job. Okay, let me go make yeah. some more graphs You here. need to fix Jamison Tyone oh. right now. <laughs> yeah, you're asking the wrong person. That's your job. Yeah, the wrong person. Um, one more thing. Uh before we go, just something to keep an eye on, because uh, I do see people talking about it. I don't want I don't want to to ignore it. Uh, it has been a rough stretch for Christopher Morel, Brendan. Obviously, a huge moment uh, in the game, uh, game number two against the White Sox. We were there. Uh, I I watched the Cubs hit a walk off homer, Brendan, against the White Sox with Luke Stuckmeyer at Wrigley Field. I can't believe it. Yeah, we did the talk stuff about of that. legends, right? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, but it has been a rough stretch for him. His last. 30 games. He's got a 204 batting average with a 301 on base, 361 slug. So that is just a 662 OPS. Last 15 games, it's worse. Uh, sub 100 batting average, 207 on base, 235 slug. Uh, but, you know, to me, Brendan, like he's 24 years old. He's a guy that you know, I think not all too dissimilar from Javi Baez in a way where you 
sometimes are going to have to live with the cold stretches for the hot stretches. The balance between such an aggressive and powerful attack at the plate, you know, sometimes it you you are going to be too aggressive, you're going to be swinging too wildly, things like that. But there are those moments like that walk-off against the, the White Sox. You knew, I said it before he walked up to the plate, he is going to swing out of every pair of shoes he owns, not even the ones on his feet, back in his locker, he's swinging well, it's out a of, lot of It's a lot of shoes. It's a lot of shoes, but that shoes. he is going to swing out of them on three pitches. And on the, the third one, right, he hit it out. He so did. that's just part of his game. It's going to be up to David Ross to manicure that, right? Like that's, I, I don't love him in the leadoff spot for this reason. He's had a lot of plate appearances that look much more professional I think, than his early career. And then I think a lot of people would have ever assumed he could have just with his chase rate and aggressiveness and things like that. He's spit on a lot of good pitches. He's taken some walks. But ultimately, he's 24 years old, and this is going to be part of, I think, you know, his his journey, right, is he's going to have some of these extremes. He's cold right now, but you want him in there, and I think he'll turn it around quickly. The last 100 plate appearances— Contact rate of 60%. So, you know, it's it's very low. Um, yeah, that's that's the biggest extreme on, on this team is Christopher Morell. I do think, like, once all of this ends the season and we get into, like, December and January, I'm, I'm curious what this front office does with the roster and morale and playing time of, like, guys coming through the system pretty fast and one unanticipated perhaps fast mover is going to be like Matt Shaw um, and you imagine he's probably destined for third base given his defensive profile and you have like James Triantos perhaps moving through the system relatively fast I do wonder what that means for Morel's value on this team and you always had the DH spot but you know I do wonder if that's going to be something they want to be more flexible with in, in the future. So this is all to say, given some of the uncertainties, I do wonder if like, you know, a way to improve the team is unfortunately for a lot of fans who love Morrell and I love Morrell. Like he may be someone that's expendable given some of the uncertainties on the roster and some of the guys who have gone pretty fast. So it'll be interesting, but he's one of those players that you just can't project well. So in a way, yes, he's struck out a lot in a contact rate sixty percent. But you know, covering this for the past two years now, all of a sudden, like this guy just something clicks, and all of a sudden, this, the contact rate goes up. He's walking at above average rates. The power's through the roofs, and he looks like the best hitter in the league. So if it ends up happening, I wouldn't be surprised as well. You can't with Morel. He doesn't fit any type of projection models. Like he just doesn't fit it. Like I can't project this guy. No one can. And so in a way you can be you can be uncomfortable with that, but by being uncomfortable, you're accepting the possibility that like he's gonna go through that high extreme. Yeah, and you know, ultimately look, like his his numbers overall on the season are still great, right? Especially for a guy that is as young as he is and had the kind of quick, you know, kind of surprise, I don't want to say surprise, but like, you know, he, he showed up and, and took everything by storm. You know, I don't yeah. think a lot of people were expecting that. A 118 WRC plus, 250, 318, 497 slash line. He's got 19 home runs, 60 RBIs. Like I, you can live with the cold stretches, right? Like it's, it's fine. It's going to happen. He's a young player. And just given his sort of 
profile, he's going to have those stretches. But overall in the year, he's been a great player. Again, this is the area we've been waiting for years, really. And I know what some of you in the chat are going to say. I have my own opinions. I'm not trying. We're at the almost 90-minute mark here. We are we're not, still going. We are, not having a, we are not having a spirited debate about David Ross. But this is where this is where he has to do his best work as a manager because you're going to have stuff like this you have some young players you have some veterans you are in a playoff race you have to win every game i just read those wild card standings and we're going to get to uh, a lovely guest comment uh from the uh, diamondbacks beat writer out for phnx jesse friedman uh a fellow friedman even if spelled uh differently than myself i thought um, you were going to say incorrectly but you know good for you a lot of respect you know. from you with the double e's over <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> uh but this is where David Ross, he's, you know, th- this stuff is tough, right? Like Morel yeah. has had a great season for you. He just provided one of the most electric moments in years, probably against the White Sox the other day, but he's, he's in a, a cold stretch. He handled it really well. I think David Ross did with say a Suzuki, right? And we'll see how they, you know, if Morel can hit his way out of it, or if David Ross has to kind of massage this a little bit but um you know this is where you earn your chops as a manager right like you're in a playoff race you're trying to fend off three teams that are a game behind you and this is where it comes in so that leads us to jesse's question uh jesse is of course the arizona diamondbacks beat writer for phnx that is chgo's brother uh in 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 arizona covering all the teams in arizona of course we have dnvr in colorado uh, well, now, Jesse, Jesse, you know, Look let's the, not get Jesse, combative here. You know, you're my guy, Jesse. <laughs> the correct that. spelling of Friedman is like me. He's not wrong. But uh, to Jesse's question, uh, which of the NL wildcard teams concern you the most? And of course, he covers the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, not obligated to say the Diamondbacks because he is asking the question. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah. You know, it feels... You know, I don't want to go on record as saying I'm not scared of anyone because then if they play them in the playoffs, I'm going to wish that I didn't say that, right? Uh, I will say when you look at especially, I think, who the Diamondbacks with Zach Galen and Miami with a few of their pitchers would be able to throw in a short series, I think it's those two teams, right? Um, obviously, you have the Phillies up top, the Giants. Both teams have been playing good ball. They, you know, Philly went to the World Series last year. They have some really great guys on offense, et cetera. But, you know, I, I think pitching in a short series, right? Like that's that's where my head is going to go. And so I think those teams in particular would be maybe scarier just because they they can throw guys that can shut you down. You know, uh, yeah. Miami just brought back, uh, I think, Yuri Perez, um, and added him to that rotation, and he had, I think, like 25 whiffs and, you know, double-digit strikeouts the other day. So I think that's tough. And yeah, as as Carlos says, like, I don't think Aaron Nola has had his best season, but being able to go Nola-Wheeler in a short series, that's tough. So I think that's where my concern would go. I think, again, I I'm going to be nervous if the Cubs end up in the playoffs. I'm going to be very nervous. It doesn't matter who they're playing, right? I was nervous all through 2016, and they were the best team in the league and one of the best teams ever, right? Um, That's correct. What year was that again? 2016, the Cubs won the World Series. World World Series. Um, But at the end of the day, right, like, and I'm not discounting the Giants or the Reds, but 
you know, I, I just don't, I'm not as worried about who you would be facing in terms of the pitching uh, on a short schedule. Like yeah, that. I but, mean, there's two ways to look at it. Like in a short series, you know, like I spent a lot of my growing up in Arizona, a lot of PTSD at Chase Field and beating the Cubs at Chase Field. So, yeah. you know, a lot of uneasiness there. To even get to that point, you know, we're competing with the Diamondbacks and the rest for the last playoff spot. Like of those teams, we're so late in the season that you just like flip a coin. Like you're just, you're entering baseball randomness that you just can't predict. I think you look at some of the lineups though, the Reds don't have the pitching infrastructure that perhaps the D-backs do, but what the Reds do have is they have a lineup that does make contact. And you look at like a lot of their young guys coming up, even this is like Sands De La Cruz, but you know, they have a lot of guys like Jake Freely, uh, K-rate of 18%, TJ Friedel, K-rate of, of 17%, Spencer Steer, K-rate under 20%, Jonathan India under 20%. I bring that up because once you put those guys in a shortened window, you know anything can really happen. And a lot of those guys do have power. And so I always kind of default to the lineups that make a lot of contact um, with power as well. And they, they, have that, they have that lineup. Anything can happen. I, you know, I hope that's... Whatever happens, Jesse, whether it's the Cubs or the D-backs in the playoffs, or if they play each other in the playoffs and they go beyond that, you know, we all can be friends. You know, I that's think, my goal. I think that was the answer of two people who were scared of saying they're not worried about someone. Why you're not worried about the Diamondbacks? I'm not, no, now, I'm now saying, saying you that. and I answered that question like two <laughs> people that are afraid of a month from now having on video being like, oh, I don't care about the Reds. You know what I well, mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say that. Well, I'm scared of like the Kansas City Royals. Like I'm scared of every baseball game. That's yeah, my problem. I, everybody. Just that, let me well, get but to that, that point. That's what I mean. So you know, yeah. it's like I feel like some people would be like, "Oh, I give me the you know the Giants. I want the Giants." Yeah. I would never say. That. I am. I will say I am planning of going to Chase Field in mid September to go watch that Cup Series. I'm a, yeah. I'm very worried though because I again I've had a lot of bad experiences because because D-backs have beaten up on the it, Cubs. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not yeah. allowed within thirty feet of Baxter. Is that correct? Oh man, Baxter Jesse. If you know Baxter, let me tell you. Let me tell you this. He stole my hat when I was like 13 years old, dude. He never gave it back, man. <laughs> he went into. He does like these loop de loops across the uh, the the stands. He never gave my hat back, dude. Still traumatized about that. If you can get it back for me, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Uh, that I didn't expect to end the podcast talking about Baxter, about Baxter. the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Clark mascot. would never do that. Just saying. Clark would never. He's also never going to wear pants. So double-edged sword. That's true. Um, All right. Setting you up. Of course, the CHGO Cubs team will have you for your pre- and post-game needs for this Detroit series on Monday and then throughout the series, of course, with post-game. Upcoming this week, the Cubs have three with the Detroit Tigers, and then they head to Pittsburgh to play the Pirates for four games. You have a full slate, seven days of baseball this week. And if you are looking at where these teams are in the standings, the Detroit Tigers will enter the series with the Cubs just 10 games under 500, so not uh, quite near the 46 games under 500 that the Kansas City Royals are. Uh, 57 and 67, they have won two in a row, have the Detroit Tigers six and four in their last 10, uh, but they also have a run differential near negative 100. Um, We all saw the meme that the pitching ninja made of Javi Baez swinging at a slider that was in another time zone. 
you know, as Cody would say, look out for the revenge series. We did not get a Nelson Velasquez revenge series, so that was nice. Uh, appreciated that. And then, of course, the Pittsburgh Pirates in the National League Central, 55 and 69, 12 and a half games out of first place, four and six in their last 10. Uh, That little moment where they were pretending to be competitive was cute, uh, but, you know, not to be for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, So before we head out, we will throw in our usual reminder to sign up and become a diehard member at allchgo.com. Uh, you get access to all of the articles at allchgo.com, access to the members-only Discord. You get a free shirt, uh, discounts on events and other things going on with CHGO. It is a great value. We met a lot of diehards and a lot of members at the tailgate, uh, the takeover, excuse me, uh, for that second game of the White Sox series at the Almost Home Bar and Grill here in Wrigleyville. Very nice meeting so many of you. Uh, and if you are interested, check out becoming a diehard member at allchgo.com. Uh, and I think that's what we have for you. This was a long one. Uh, Brendan and I will continue to just that's set right. records, I guess. Uh, that's right, yes. As we said, we, we did not have our wonderful producer, Stephen. He is doing the White Sox show as we speak. Uh, so we are able to go as long as we want because we are not ruining somebody else's Sunday. <laughs> Well, you kind of um, but that's what we have for you. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here for the Sunday edition of the CHDO Cubs podcast. Again, the crew will have you for pre and post on Monday as the Cubs take on the Detroit Tigers. Take care of business, Brendan. Bad teams on the road before you have the Milwaukee Brewers at Wrigley Field. A big series coming up uh, a week from Monday. Rack up some W's here on this seven-game road trip, and you will be in a very nice position and hopefully preparing to be in first place when the Brewers come to town. Thank you guys for joining us. Brendan and I will come to you again next Sunday. And as always, go Cubs.